Hello, my name is Tyler Town, and I will be having a conversation with Robin Scott for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It's March 28th, 2018, and this is being recorded at Sunset Park in my apartment. All right, so Robin, how about we start with when and where were you born? I was born in the city um, in June 10th, uh, June of 1980, June 10th. And where were you born? Uh, you said you were born in the city, where exactly? Uh, doctor's Hospital, I believe, um, which doesn't exist anymore. I think it's part of NYU now. Yeah. And what neighborhood did you grow up in? Oh, um, I uh, I grew up on the Upper East Side. That's where my parents still live. And could you tell me your pronouns and how you would describe your gender? I describe my gender as female. I use she/her pronouns. I'm 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 uh, a very boring binary lady. <laughs> So, what was your childhood like? Uh, privileged, I guess, is the most, uh, is the immediate word that comes to mind. Um, not that we were particularly rich, I guess, middle, upper, middle, something. My father did pretty well. Um, uh, he had grown up to, uh, an even more privileged youth. Uh, on the Upper West Side in the apartment that I now occupy. Um, and uh, I, uh, I guess I had a pretty happy childhood. Um, one of two kids, um, me and my little sister got along, still get along pretty well. Um, we did not want for a great deal. Uh, yeah. Um, I had some assorted health issues growing up, which kind of, uh, were notable, um, both physical and mental health issues. Uh, um, I had a real rough time in high school, uh, and ended up being, uh, medicated for manic depression for a bunch of years. Uh, a period that I kind of now look back on as possibly being related to gender dysphoria, but it's one of those things that we'll never really know. Could you tell me a little bit about the physical and mental issues that you were going through? Oh, um, well, I, uh, when I was very young, I had a lot of migraines, um, so that was a problem. I, um... I slowly seem to grow out of them. Uh, um, I, uh, tend to, I've always had kind of a, uh, weak gastric system. Uh, though it wasn't until I was in college till I have my, I have a swallowing disorder that started to make it very hard for me to eat normally. Um, mental health issues, uh, somewhere around the middle of uh, ninth grade, I think, um, I started having a lot of like social anxiety, um, depression, mania. I, I went through weird patches. I, I basically started having a real hard time getting to school. Um, my parents would try to get me up, drag me to school. I would freak out and run home again. Um, ended up taking and basically dropping out, uh, and taking an incomplete for, for ninth grade. And then I was going to probably get, um, just expelled from school for that. Um, but, um, uh, my mother sort of fought and spoke to the guidance counselor and they allowed me to you know, get left back at a uh, grade and come back and try again the next year. Uh, so, uh, 
with a lot of determination and a lot of failure, right? I kind of made it, and, and, and a number of medications and some therapy. I kind of fought my way through high school. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your sister? Oh, um, she is very smart, my little sister. She is, um... Uh, involved in urban planning right now. She uh, um, works for the city. Uh, one of one of the people running this town. Um, I don't know. We were always pretty close growing up. When we were little, we played together all the time. We we tended to get along real well. Um, uh, we uh, I. As we got into school, I started to be the quiet, shy one, and she was the outgoing, fun, social one. So, um, like, in high school, when I was having a hard time, uh, she was kind of blossoming, and she would throw parties and have friends over, and I would kind of hang out in the periphery of her social circle a lot. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're still pretty close. I don't see her as much as I'd like to. She's married now. Um, And how was your relationship with your parents growing up? Generally good. Um, My sister fought with my parents more than I did. Um, uh, I was tended to be closer with my mom. Um, We're both sort of the sensitive kind of emotional side of the family if my sister and my dad are more of the left brain like logical math oriented where the more right brainy creative folk um i tend to look a lot like my mom too so i take after her in a lot of ways um uh i don't think i had a bad relationship with my dad other than I think I disappointed him a lot just for not being the kind of son he wanted, maybe. Or maybe the kind of son that was going to relate to him, the kind of stuff he liked, watching sports, playing golf. Um, He would have loved if I was, like, you know, real into baseball, but I wasn't. I wanted to, like, hang out and sit and look at bugs and read books and draw pictures. And he couldn't really relate to that. But, you know, I still love him and we, you know, we're still, uh, we have a pretty good relationship, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think when I, when, when I transitioned, I, I, I was a lot more afraid of his reaction, um, than I was of my mom's and I was totally backwards on that. He, uh, he had like. He very quickly, you know, was like, okay, I don't understand any of this, but I love you and I support you and whatever you're doing. Okay. You know? Um, And, and that was real cool. Yeah. So. So how have you watched NYC change since you've been growing up here and living here? Well, I don't know. I was just back on uh, in my parents' neighborhood the other night um, having dinner with them. And I think about how that area has, like, changed so much. Um, just waves of, of different kind of commercial usage. Um, I feel like, wave, like a wave of cell phone stores came through their neighborhood and left it kind of... Uh, hollowed out. I don't know. Um, I worry sometimes that I walk through my neighborhood in the Upper West Side now, and it seems like it's, I'm like slowly watching the neighborhood die. Um, uh, stores keep closing down lately, and more and more people are out on the street. Uh, it's not a good feeling the last few years walking around the city pretty much anywhere. Right? It feels like we're in the last years before it happens. And I'm not sure what it is. Right? But 
I I have a hard time looking around this city and not not worrying about what this landscape's going to look like in 10 years, right? Like as if I'm I'm maybe like witnessing something dying. Oh. Oh. Uh been proud of my city, I guess, over the years, too. I mean, we've been hit with a bunch of disasters and a bunch of real horrors. And, you know, I like the spirit my city has, right? Like, I'm real proud of it. I think, um, I, I was, I was literally down at the, the Ground Zero Memorial earlier this afternoon, um, just walking around and, and like, thinking about 9-11 and thinking about, like, how, like, how people came together after that in the city, right? That there was just this unspoken feel of, like, New Yorkers have each other's back, right? When it comes down to it, you know, we know how to pull each other out of the shit, right? And we can take a loss and we can rebuild from it. Um, but it's it's this scar there. Um... You know, I think, I think that, um, with, uh, the, the, the major storms we've had in the last few years, um, I think we, we have a collective spirit of worry that we're tensing up for the next big thing to hit us, right? Um, and, yeah, I don't know, it's scary, but... I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Like, I love this city. <laughs> so, <clears throat> either growing up or now, what are some spaces that have been really important to you around the city? Oh. Uh, let me think. Um, I feel like I've been haunting the area around 14th Street for a good deal of my adulthood, right? Like, I was, um, I went to Parsons School of Design on Sun 13th, um, and I, uh, I have a regular support group uh, now that uh, meets down there for dinner. Um, I just feel like I've, uh, the the gay center is on Thirteenth too. Um, uh, I just like always in that neighborhood. That feels like my my home home base in in the city. Sometimes, even though I don't live anywhere near it. Um, what else? Uh, I have a whole bunch of locations that I've that I've illustrated in my tarot deck, right? Um, every one of them is pretty meaningful to me. Um, I love Sharakapak, the uh, the boulder that marks the 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 founding of the city. The the um, it marks the place where the deal was struck between Peter Minuet, um, the Dutch East India Company, and the, the Lenape Indians who sold the island of Manhattan to him, right? And it's this nothing monument that nobody knows about, and it's just sitting in the middle of Inwood Park, right? And I made it, uh, the, I, I put it on the Ace of Discs, um, but no one would know that that's what that was. Um, it's just a rock. Right. But it, it's a rock that like marked where a tree used to stand and the tree was planted at the place that they, they struck that deal. Right. It's like the cornerstone of the city in this like hidden little like alcove next to a baseball field. Um, I did a magic ritual that we, we met there in the dead of night um, and like started a journey from Sharakapak because it feels like a beginning place. Um uh, what else, others do I love? I love um, Bethesda Fountain. That's uh, another one. The, the Ace of, of Cups in my deck. Um, 
I have a lot of memories about that from the Angels in America movie. Um, but it's just like a beautiful open square. Um, and I love the story of the, the angel of the waters that she was, um, she was sculpted there to commemorate bringing, um, fresh water to the city through the Croton Aqueduct, right? Because before that, um, the, um, five points, um, what was that? Um, Collect Pond, I think it's called. It, which was down near the Five Points area was was like the previous little reservoir, and the city had grown through the eighteen hundreds so fast that it was completely inadequate, and people were drinking diseased water and getting yellow fever all over the place. Um, and uh, uh, they were supposed to bring better water systems to the, to the general population. But, uh, due to, um, embezzlement, um, from, uh, well, anyway, they, they stole the money that they were going to use, um, to, to bring water to the people. Um, anyway, it's a cool story. So yeah. why don't you tell me a little more about your tarot deck? Okay. Um, so when I was in art school, um, my senior year at Parsons, um, one of my best friends, Jess Hammer, um, uh, pointed me at a friend of hers who was a game designer who was looking to design a role-playing game. Um, and he wanted to design a tarot deck that went along with it, um, but not being as he wasn't an artist himself, he tried to find a group of artists who would collaborate on this project. Um, and because he wasn't really paying us, the project unsurprisingly sort of fell apart. But I did my quarter of the deck and the pieces I made for that. I, I, I kind of loved the look of them and it, it, it was it was an urban tarot. All right. Um, it was a, it was a tarot of the modern day of the city. Um, and I, I, I wanted to, I found myself really getting into this idea of taking these old images of the tarot um, and interpreting them with the assumption that whatever they meant, you, you would see something like this walking down the streets of New York, right? So figuring out what that looked like in a modern context was a real fun challenge. Um, and it, and it became kind of a mission. Um, so anyway, I, I was like showing those, um, those images in my portfolio for years and people kept telling me, you have to finish this deck. I want to see what the rest of the cards look like. Um, and it wasn't till 2012, um, that I was working as an internet marketing, um, well, I was a, a designer uh, head of production, I guess, at an internet marketing firm that was slowly melting like an iceberg drifting south. Um, and I was, I was sort of the last person at the company who was actually doing work. And so again, my friend Jess Hammer comes along and says, well, what would it take for you to go and like work on the, this tarot deck until it's finished and like leave the job and go do that for a while? I said, well, you know, like, I probably need a bunch of money so that I could afford that and, and like live on it for a little while. Um, she's like, why don't you do a Kickstarter? So I left my job, um, to launch a Kickstarter and I worked on putting together this campaign with a video and everything. And, um, it became a really interesting project. I made this choice to sort of frame it as, Hey people, you've all been telling me to like finish this deck. Let's let's finish this deck. Like let's do it together. And if you contribute enough money, you get to like have your image in the deck. Um and so it became this kind of community thing, which was a real fun experience. Um I got fans who like kept, you know, tabs on on it as I I made each card. Um, I'd like do blog posts and, um, uh, 
like people step forward to like volunteer seemed like people who were like really excited like would come to me and like i need to be in this deck what can i do um so i have all these like cool stories and i traveled all over the country one of the like people who modeled flew me out to his house in honolulu right so that i could like photograph him in his home um uh and then he gave me a tour of his nuclear submarine um which was amazing right um but yeah um and and then i finally i finished it um i i intended to to like take six months after the kickstarter to work on it it ended up taking more like three and a half years um but i finally self-published it and i put it out there and i sold it online and and it did real well i got a ton of real cool press and people all over the world like like my deck they've been um like there's reviews in six languages of it on youtube um and i sold out within what a year of of having them on the market i sold every one and now I have licensed the deck to a bigger publisher who's going to take over the job of printing it and distributing it just as soon as I finish the last card <laughs> because um, the reason I was down at the Ground Zero Memorial was to research a new replacement card for the tower for, for the second edition of my deck. I'm sort of struggling with that right now. Um, but I have some ideas, but it's a real hard card. And so, you know, I'm going back and forth on it right now a little bit and what's going to be on it. Uh, but as soon as I finish that, hopefully we will get the new edition out to print. And then instead of a thousand decks out there in the world, there will be many thousands of them. Right. And that will be real cool. Right. Um, and I like I started working on it as an illustrator with this idea that like I'm going to be a graphic artist. I'm going to create pictures for other people. I'm going to be a professional, right? Give me the assignment and I will solve the problem, right? And real excited that that was going to be my life and my career. And it somewhere in the middle, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm an artist and I make things that affect people. Right. And now I have a responsibility to those people. Right. People who've like sent me these stories about how working with this deck changed their life or or it helped them make decisions or it like connected with them on a level. And I'd never I didn't go into it expecting that, but it happened and it, it became like. I took it a lot more seriously. Right now. Now I feel like. um. I want to, I want to help people with my work, right? I don't want to just like make money. <laughs> I don't actually care about money anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. How about that? That's a pretty big story to go all full circle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like art's been a major part of your life. I mean, ever since drawing bugs. Uh, Draw, yeah, uh, as as soon as I was able to say so, I said that I wanted to be an artist. Um, my parents still have on their wall in their apartment on the Upper East Side um, a drawing I did at age four, which is a very respectable fish um, with polka dots and a big smile, right? Um, which at age four, when most kids are having a hard time having like the manual dexterity to hold a marker straight, right? I was drawing a fish. Um, so I've never not, like I, I, there's never been a time where people weren't like, you know, like, ooh, like, look at that. <laughs> so I've always kind of fed off of it, I guess. Um, I have a pop-up book that I, on my shelf that I made in sixth grade in which I drew a um, author's bio picture of me in the future after I made a million dollars, but also I'm a professional artist. But I knew even at that age that I was not going to make money 
as an artist. So I had to just also assume that I was going to win the lottery, which is why I drew myself like in a, in a convertible, um, like, I think there's like little like foam dice hanging from the rear view and I've got sunglasses on and I'm just like living, living life. Yeah. Um, somewhere in high school, I forgot that I wanted to be an artist when I grew up. Um, I, I guess I grew up and I, I started to believe that that was stupid. Um, I didn't draw very seriously anymore. I kind of, all of my art was limited to drawing pictures of werewolves and vampires for my role-playing group on the weekends. Um, and I got more into computers and I was taking programming classes and stuff. And I kind of assumed that when I went to college, I was going to go into um, com computer science primarily, but maybe with like some creative writing. And then I started to collapse emotionally and have a real hard time with school. And all of my like, oh, this is what I'm clearly headed towards kind of fell apart. But I found that um, I found figure drawing, right? Um, I had a high school um, drawing class where they had nude models come and, and, and model for us. And it kind of changed my world. I got like, oh, right, this is something I love. Um, so uh, I kind of got to this place of like, fuck school. I'm, I'm failing out of everything already. I'm going to go and do what I like. I'm going to go and do art stuff. So uh, that's how I ended up at Parsons. Um, and yeah, like fairly quickly, I, I recognized that like illustration was sort of the, 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 the zone where I loved because I love being given a problem and like having to solve it. I've never been the kind of artist um, that tends to be to have like that uh, that ease of self-motivation. Right. I always envied other artists who carry a sketchbook everywhere they go and they're just constantly creating stuff. And there's just like churns and churns of images and they're just like oh yeah i made this whole world and i don't know what it means and i've just been making it and i've, I've done like a hundred of these already and for me like work is work like i love doing art but like it's work so i i have a hard time doing it unless it's for something at least and usually it helps if it's for someone else right um because on my own, I, I tend to just go blank. I don't, I don't make much, but like, give me, give me something to chew on. Right. And I go nuts on it. Um, so like, I never could have started that tarot project on my own. It just never would have occurred to me. Right. But once I got going on it, on someone else's like thought, I ran within it and like, it became my own. That's really cool. Huh? So, <clears throat> why don't we switch gears here, and how did you first, let's get nice and comfy, mm -hmm. how did you first learn about or encounter other trans people? Um, so, uh, I had a girlfriend. Um, I, I, uh, I had a girlfriend who, uh, transitioned, um, she, I'm going to use male pronouns for him, um, but for me at the time, I thought I was straight. And I thought I was a straight man having a, a straight relationship with an with a with a woman. <laughs> um, he was only the second person I'd seriously dated because I was a very late bloomer when it came to that. Um, and I was already in college. Um, and our relationship was kind of weird. Um, he he wasn't the sort of person that seemed like who, who I was used to being attracted to. And we kind of, 
puppy flirted in and out for a while. Um, I would chase after him. He would kind of run away. We would get together and make out. Then we'd like wrestle and then we'd break up. And um, I don't, in, in retrospect, I like to say this narrative um, or imagine it that, that we somehow knew that we were queerer than this relationship and we needed to queer it more somehow um like we'd talk about having hot gay sex when we were functionally clearly straight in a in a you know in a heterosexual relationship um but yeah we we knew something was weird anyway i guess um but it wasn't till many years later that he started to be more open about about gender um, stuff. Like, he was the best man at my wedding, and had at no point indicate like pre like that was just normal, right? We knew that he wasn't gonna wear a dress at my wedding. We knew he would wear a tux, right? And that was cool, and. He liked this idea of being recognized as the best man a lot, right? Um, but we just thought that was, you know, the the weird ambiguity. So, like the way he describes it, he, you know, he he was never that far from from the gender divide. He just did a little hop over it, right? And is now not that masculine, but definitely a dude. Um, uh... So he was like kind of the first personal interaction with a with transgender identity. Um but so so for most of my adulthood I wasn't really aware that that was a thing. We didn't think of him as trans until at some point he said he was going to transition and I'm like, "Well, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we should we should throw you a um a farewell to femme party." Right, which we did. We cut off all of his hair, um, and made little boob gelatins and had cocktail wieners just to make fun of it. Um, and it was a cool party. Uh and that was still five years before I had any idea that I was trans. Um I still thought I was perfectly straight, and I just had a, a great group of friends who were increasingly all queer. Um, I, uh, somewhere in there I met, um, my trans mom, um, um, Maddie, um, and Maddie was a friend of a friend who, um, lives in the UK, but came to New York to visit us. And she was the first trans woman that, like, I guess I knew that they existed, but, you know, this was a friend. This was a person, like, she had a life. She had a job. She had a kid, right? She'd been married to a woman. Um, and it never really occurred to me that that was a thing that one could do until I got to know her, right? That you could change your gender you and that didn't mean that you were a person who who was necessarily attracted to men right uh because i didn't think i was at the time um and it didn't preclude you like having a family right um and it didn't it didn't mean that you were like some kind of freako outcast necessarily although you know opinions on that vary i guess um she she just you know seemed very normal uh so when i eventually started having my own kind of uh gender awakening she was the first person i went and spoke to about it i started writing a lot of stuff in a uh, FetLife journal um, and so I ended up sharing 
all of my my dark thoughts with her. So what was it like getting more involved in trans communities or the trans community? Oh, um, I guess my first inroad to that, um, other than, than having met Maddie before, um, was when I went to the, um, uh, the drop-in support, uh, group at the gay center. Um, and I started to meet other folk. Uh, and that was incredibly valuable. And I was pretty much immediately hit with this sense of, I'm incredibly lucky and privileged, right? Like, here I am transitioning um, in New York in in what is like the trans moment somehow, right? A couple years previously, nobody knew we existed. And, and then like in the year I started coming out, we... Um, we, we, we've got uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of magazines, right? And suddenly everyone knows what transgender is. And suddenly, like, we're, we're getting, like, medical care and shit. Um, and I met so many people who had, uh, who had been homeless. Um, so many people who were um, in various kinds of sex work, right? And a lot of people who had been fucked up by that. Um... People who had been thrown out by their families, uh, people who had been thrown out of their marriage, people who had lost um, kids over over transition and their jobs. And here I am, like, kind of going through this awakening and having lost nothing, right? My family... I had a lot of difficulty with my family at first, but there was never any question that they loved me and supported me. Right? Like, my mom maybe never wanted to talk to me again. Right? It took her a while to come around. Uh, but now she's like super mom about it. Right? I mean, on and off. She goes to meetings. She wants to, like, support, you know, trans initiatives and stuff. Um, my wife of, of eight years at that point stuck around. That was something I never expected right never thought that i had any right to expect and for her was like never a question like no of course i'm sticking around right like of course and like your gender wasn't the thing that i was attracted to and i yeah i mean i got hit with nothing but gratitude Right? Like, I feel like I have been living in this, like, bottomless sea of gratitude since I, 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 I came out. And just that I am so lucky. Right? Um, I am so lucky to have, like, supportive friends, to be living in the probably the best city in the world to be trans in. Right? I would argue. Right? Um, yeah. Like... So it's, it's sort of like hit me even more with this feeling of like needing to give back to the community as much as I can. Right. Um, so, I mean, I've met so many people that like needed community that I've done what I can to sort of bring people together and support my, my own little corner of the trans community in New York. Right. Um, I don't know. I still feel like I don't do enough, but like I've made a lot of really good friends uh, through the group, right? And it's definitely changed my perspective on the world in a lot of ways. Do you identify as uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual? Any uh, thing un anything under the umbrella of queer other than trans, and how does it feel to be trans in those spaces? Um, I identify as bisexual, in a, in pretty much the same way that I identify as anything as a as somewhat of a political statement, right? Because 
Um, you know, I want to stand with the bisexuals. Um, but also it's, it's factually accurate. Although that happened to me somewhere in transition and it continues to be weird. I, um, I identified as a straight man for the first 33 years of my life. And I thought I was entirely attracted to women only. Um, and then somewhere in the first six months of starting on hormones, something in my head started to shift and men seemed attractive to me for the first time in my life. Um, so that, that, that almost seemed like it was like an after effect of transition. It wasn't something I expected and it doesn't seem to be anything like universal. But there we have it. Like, I, you know, and people will constantly come at me and be like, oh, you were just closeted. Oh, you were, you just, like, didn't want to be attracted to guys before. I'm like, I made out with guys, right? Like, I was as flexible as a straight guy comes, right? I want, like, you know, I, I threw myself at it, right? And just didn't do anything for me, you know? And then it did. So, um, it, uh, I don't know. I, like, at, at this point, from the perspective of trans, I now look back at the concept of monosexuality in any form as kind of like, really? It's kind of a hang-up you have. Like, from my perspective now, I don't understand straight people or exclusively gay people because I'm like, how, what a weirdly limited concept of gender performance you seem to enjoy, right? And I know people all over the map, right? So the idea of kind of limiting myself to one or the other seems like, eh, like, that's a cute preference, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh that's wonderful <laughs> it's funny from this like from where i am now to think of it that way right i certainly didn't think of it that way most of my life um yeah i like i don't know if i hang out I don't, if there's a bisexual context that i exist in except that like most of the people i know seem to be bisexual and a lot of them also are in some space of trans or genderness that kind of makes the concept of monosexuality seem quaint and weird. <laughs> like, so in these spaces, do you? It seems like maybe what I'm getting from you is that generally. Um, monosexuality is seen as quaint and weird and so there seems to be a fluidity within sexuality um and how do you feel as a trans person in these spaces you mentioned that you go to the lgbt center or you did go at one point um i was never involved in anything that was well it wasn't I think ultimately primarily trans queer circles. Um, I, I, I'm struggling to think about it. Um, I, I am sort of increasingly involved in, um, I'm, I'm a board member for an organization called Equality New York, um, which is a, um, LGBTQ, um, political action group and, um, uh, lobbying organization, activist organization. Um, and a lot of the activism circles um, and that kind of community in New York is um, 30-something uh, white uh, uh, upper-class gay men, right? Um, and that's, that's you know, the, 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 the white cis gay men are kind of the power demographic uh, in, in terms of queer circles like that. And so they do dominate those kind of areas. 
And so there are occasionally contexts where I'll be, you know, the trans woman among all of the, the, the gay men. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like aware of them not, of, of not being in their culture. I'm every once in a while a little bit weirded out when they try to somehow assert that I am in their culture in a way that it kind of equates me with drag performers. Um, I've had a lot of gay men kind of say, hey, we're, we're doing a drag show. You should be there. Like, this is totally your thing. And I'm like, I am, I am not a drag queen. Like, that ain't my, my jam. Thanks. Um, this is not performative. Right? Um, so I'm, I'm made a little uncomfortable sometimes by that. Um, I've never been aware of any community of, like, cis lesbians that I've been adjacent to. I just haven't known that many. Um, yeah. Like, so... Trying to think other kinds of queer communities that I'm connected to. Um, like most of them are like have a, a heavy dose of trans folk in it, right? Because that's sort of where I I've I work my way into. How do you see yourself in this increased moment of trans visibility? Um well I feel like um, there's a low-level kind of activism that I can do just by being visible, by being um, a person like who doesn't really risk much by being visible, by being out about my identity, right? Being someone that can be sort of articulate and forward about this stuff. So I do like, you know, projects like this. Other kinds of things that I've done over the years where people are like, could you tell me about your experience? Could you, you know, identify yourself publicly? Are you comfortable with that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Cool. I'm not going to lose my house or my job or my wife. Everyone knows I'm totally out. And like, that's cool. Um, like I said, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful to be coming out in this age instead of like five years earlier. And I would have had a much harder time with things right now. I just have like an exhausting uphill battle for for like some kind something like reasonable healthcare instead of a complete brick wall, you know? And that's something, right? Like I've had a lot of exhausting um uh, battles in terms of bureaucracy, in terms of healthcare especially. Um but you know, like I've had successes too. Right. And if not for this moment that we are having in history, you know, I might I, I would have very little expectation that I would have um, I would have had any access to like gender confirming surgery or hormones as easily as I have, you know. So you were able to access those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I um. Uh, I had bottom surgery, uh, just a little over two years ago, and that was mostly covered by insurance. And if you had said that, you know, those words just a few years earlier, they would have said you were crazy, right? The idea that, like, insurance companies paying for vaginas. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, that's cosmetic and only for crazy people. And those crazy people better be willing to, like, shell out the cost of a car, right? Or a few cars? Meh. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of showed up just in time for that to happen. Um, and on the other hand, I spent over a year fighting for top surgery. And I went through uh, dozens of medical loops, multiple tests. Um, you know, I had, I had to take off my shirt in front of a camera crew. I had... Um, uh, multiple doctors and therapists um, sign off on the fact that I legitimately did need 
um, this surgery to feel more comfortable in myself to relieve gender dysphoria. And still, on the very morning that of that surgery, I got a, sorry, no, actually, we're not going to cover it. We, we consider it cosmetic after all. Um, and that's real hard. And I guess I'm still fighting that fight, right? But, so we're somewhere in the middle, <laughs> right? I'm real glad about how far we've come. I'm real glad that the city, um, like, respects trans rights. I was there at Gracie Mansion on Laverne Cox Day when the mayor awarded Laverne Cox, like, the seal of the of New York City, like, and awarded her a day in her honor, right? And she was crying, and I was crying, and it was amazing, right? And, like, she gave a speech like, I can't believe that I'm standing here, right? Because a few years ago, and I was working go-go bars downtown, right? Just, like, this poor girl out of Alabama, trying to figure out whether she could have an acting career. And, like, here she is, like, honored, right? And, like, it was real, you know? Like, I, you know, real proud of my city that day, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man, it was a moment, right? Me and Amy there in matching uh, ruby slippers on the White House lawn getting a ton of compliments, right? <laughs> Being friends with Dorothy. Yeah. That's so sweet. How about we take our break right about now? Cool. I could use the bathroom. Perfect. Mm. So, how would you say you understand your gender? Um, I think gender is basically a language, right? Um, it's a language that that all of humanity has evolved and we all share, although there are a lot of different dialects. And if you, you know, the way you speak gender in one country isn't the same way you speak gender in another country, right? But we all speak gender, right? And it's a language where you t communicate to other people kind of how you want to be treated, how you want to be touched, how you want to be interacted, inter how you want to interact sexually, how you want to interact romantically, um, where you sort of feel comfortable with in, 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 in a relationship with others, right? And we, we use that language to talk about what we want, right? With, with the rest of our pack society, right? Us uh, lovely uh, bald monkeys. Um, so I, this isn't how I used to think of it, certainly. It's, it's, it's kind of took transition to think of it this way, but all I really am saying, to, as far as I understand, when I say I'm a woman, is that I want you to treat me as a woman. And whatever woman means to you, that's probably, do that to me, please, right? But it's just a matter of comfort. I don't think it, it, it refers to anything essential about my being other than that's my preference. That's what makes me happier, right? And like woman is a whole mess of things to different people and different cultures and there's different dialects. But, you know, generally speaking, that's where I like to live, right? Um... And that was kind of a revelation to find that there was a place I like to live because I didn't think I had anywhere to live before that, right? I used to think of, like, male as the gen... Like, not the gender I would have picked, but the one I got, so whatever, right? I just... Like, the idea that I could change something about that seemed as, like, fantastical as, like, I'd wake up and could fly one day. Right? It just wasn't something I even thought about. It was nonsense until it, like, wasn't. 
And the moment that it wasn't, and every time, everything I poked, I was like, would you rather be treated like a woman this way? It's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you rather like look more? Yeah. In every, pretty much every way. Okay. Is there any part of masculinity and, and things associated with maleness that you like or want to keep? Not, not a one actually, you know, like, which isn't to say I won't have fun, like walking around looking butch now and again, right? Or wearing like a jacket or even being a little gender ambiguous. But to me, that's like, like maybe gender ambiguous woman, right? Like, because girls can have fun with gender performance, right? And still very much be female. So yeah, that's about where I like found out I like to live. And now it seems kind of, kind of like, Get, it'll getting on to be antiquated to be to be so binary, right? Like, because the kids today are real queer and real ambiguous, and they're like, want to be they pronouns, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, that's cool, right? Exp express yourself with that ambiguity, but for me, I feel kind of not tempted by it. <laughs> I don't like. I don't want to be a, like. I'd rather be a they than a he, but I'd rather be a she than a they. You know, and it just, I haven't, I haven't felt like particularly, you know, tempted by that, but who knows? Like, I certainly didn't expect to be here a few years ago. I wouldn't be that shocked if I ended up there, you know, um, I have, uh, I have a, a friend who went to she and then drifted to they and, you know, like, Probably a few friends over the years. I don't know. Seems real interesting. I tried I tried out genderqueer at first before I could admit to myself that I was a woman. And it didn't fit on me. It didn't it didn't look right. It looked like I was pr pretending to something, right? Um kinda just looked like I was trying to be like in a punk band, I think. It just mm, nah. So, and then when I like found myself in a real femi place, suddenly I'm like, I love the way that that woman looks in the mirror for the first time in my life. Like, I, I didn't even realize that I hated every single image of myself I'd ever seen up until now, right? Because it didn't occur to me that that was a thing that would, could be different. Because everyone talks about hating the way they look in photos, right? That must just be where everyone lives, is that place where nothing looks like you, right? And nothing makes you feel good when you look at yourself, right? That's just how everyone lives, right? It didn't, it didn't occur to me that was a situation that had, like, flexibility. And, and then I, like, holy crap, I'd have moments of, of gender euphoria with it right? Um, when I shaved my legs, when I shaved my arms for the first time, I couldn't express how hard that hit me, like in tears, right? Um, and, and suddenly there was this itchy sweater that I could peel off that I didn't know I was wearing, you know? That was the metaphor I used when I came out to my extended family by a letter, right? And they still tell me about it. They still like, that made a lot of sense to us, right? Because I said, because imagine you'd been wearing an itchy sweater your whole life, you know? And sometimes when it's like winter, you feel comfortable and you seem about as comfortable as everyone else. And then occasionally it'd be like, you'll be out on the beach and everyone else seems comfortable and you don't, right? And you're real sweaty and you don't want to be there and you don't know why, right? And then one day you take that sweater off and you can feel the air on your skin. And holy crap, right? This changes everything. So that's kind of how it was for me. Huh. When did you first become aware of gender? As a concept? Oh, I don't see, I don't, I don't I, I guess the first time I started really much thinking about it, other than as a just a binary either or, you know, you are what you're given kind of concept was when 
um, um, when when my my ex Gabe um, started to transition, right, uh, and I started to like see that 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 was a thing with a little bit more complexity i mean i guess we, we sort of there were plenty of people who had a gender ambiguity about them that didn't seem that particularly strange just wasn't something thought about or at least not something i particularly thought about as conceptual possibility in that until that point All right i don't know somehow Despite all of that, I have all of these very hard baked in concepts of gender and like what a woman is supposed to be and what a woman's supposed to look like and what a man is supposed to be and look like and do. And I'm still letting go of some of those. Right. Didn't didn't know I had them. Right. Oh, I can tell I could tell you the story about the bath bombs. Please do. That's the that that's a, that was the interesting moment for me because I never thought that I had a gender really. I never thought about my gender as being something I had any attachment to, but also not anything that I, you know, had any aversion to. It was just the thing that I was, right? And, and then by pure happenstance, I am talking to my wife, um, Amy, about um, what to get my mom for Christmas one year. And I'm like, you know, I guess we could always get her bath bombs or some other kind of bath and beauty product, right? Because you can always get that for a mom. And then somewhere in there I drifted off. I was like, you know, like nobody gets me bath bomb or bombs or beauty products, right? Like, I love baths. Some people should get me that stuff, right? And Amy agreed, right, that someone should get me that stuff. And I didn't realize, but that was me deciding what my Christmas gift was, right? So we're away in Boston with my whole family, and I open up this box on Christmas morning filled with, like, Etsy purchase custom bath bombs and, like, a dozen different smells. And my mom looks down, and she's like, Oh, what's that? Bath bombs? You got that for Amy? I'm like, no, she got them for me, right? And she's like, no. And she's like, she couldn't believe it. And then like, my dad also is like, like, is it a joke? And I'm like, what the fuck? And it like, I'd never in my life felt judged for my gender performance. And there I was from my mom, who loves baths, who, like, raised me loving, like, nice hot baths, right? And I was always, like, a pain in the ass about taking showers, right? And I still love taking a nice hot bath. And suddenly, like, I'm getting, like, this eye from my parents about it. And I'm like, oh, shit. That hits me in a place, right? And it, like, it was like that pinprick that sort of... Uh, open up the wound of like, I have always felt shit about my gender, right? I have always wished I could be more effeminate, right? And, and I've always felt like I wasn't allowed, you know? And fuck that a little bit, right? Um, and I was very surprised to like find that that hit me, but suddenly it connected all of these points across my life of like seeing what girls were allowed to do and wishing I could, I could do that. And I never had, right? And like my whole life, I'd never like cross-dressed. I'd never like stolen my sister's panties or anything like that. Um, I'd never put on her makeup. I never, I never play acted any of it, right? But like the moment I started aligning the history of my life and that narrative and said, were you always the wrong gender? And it was a hundred percent guess, right? And like from there, I had to start over and say, okay, let's say something's wrong with your gender. What the fuck could you do to fix it, right? Uh, but it came as such a surprise to me, right? I, I don't.
Can you tell me about a time when you felt seen? Oh, I don't know. Seen? Um. And I'm I'm a real exhibitionist, is the thing, right? And when you say when you know, I feel seen, well, like I like being looked at. Right? I like being seen as a woman a lot. Right? Um, there's, there's a term, right? Autogynophilia. Right? That I stumbled on. And I'm like, that maybe explains this a lot. Because I really like the idea. I, I, it really turns me on. I mean, it makes me feel gender euphoric. Right? Um to be seen so like you know i got some pictures of myself that i real like now and some of them are on okay cupid and sometimes people send me real like trashy cons i like that i like some attention you know um it's it's very validating uh i don't know i'm I'm kind of a nudist now. I like being seen walking around naked. I like people knowing what I got now. Right? I like that I can be spare ass naked and people still say that looks like a woman. Right? And and feeling real comfortable that I can go into all women's spaces and and people don't bat an eye. That makes me feel real good. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel seen when I show myself off and I'm celebrated. I, so I gravitate towards places I can do that, you know? So if there's one thing that you'd want people to know, either about you or one thing that you want to tell people, what would it be? People to know about me? I don't know. That's big, right? Um, I don't know. <sighs> I think, I think I have always been driven by faith. And I'm still figuring out what that means, right? I'm a radical optimist. I identify as that when I realized how, how much the world needed it. Right? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to live every, every day of this journey. Right? I'm, I'm grateful for every minute of this miracle that I get. Right? I want to see where it all goes and I expect to live forever. Thank you so much, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a great time here and we got some really interesting and important stuff. So thank you for joining me. Thank you.